Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Coming up on today's show, it's Gamescom week and we've got a bunch of news. Let's get into it. Good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I am Andrea Renee, joined by the one, the only, Brittany Bromwalker. Hello. I enjoyed streaming with you this week. It was fun. For people who missed it, that's not your fault. We barely said anything to anybody, <laughs> mostly because I think we both anticipated having to cancel yep. last minute for one reason or another, yep. you know, two-year-olds. And so we were like, let's just like keep it loosey-goosey. And then we were just like, surprise, we're going live in an hour. So thank you to everybody who stopped by. But unfortunately, Rihanna couldn't make it because she was working. Rihanna Manuel Pena is here too. I'm here. I busted yeah. into the chat like those dudes busted on stage. Oh, oh man. Hey. Oh, dang. Hey. Look at you. <laughs> I like that. You did bust out of the chat as quickly as that guy also was ushered <laughs> off the stage as well. <laughs> Man, just like a, a swarm of security. We'll get to opening night live in just a moment. I want to say thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Chewy's Godson, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, and Punctified. And welcome to our Patreon community, Cuckoo. Ooh. You can join us at patreon.com slash what's good games where you can get the show ad free among some other cool benefits and help support our voices in video games and let us keep the lights on here at what's good games. If you don't have a couple bucks to throw our way on Patreon, that's totally okay. We get times are tough, but we would love it if you could give us maybe just a couple minutes of your time by leaving us a five-star review. Brittany, we got a new one. We did from Emmy2432. And in Emmy's review, they said that they are big Mario fans. And because of our show, though, they branched out and started playing on their boyfriend's PlayStation and they're having a really <gasps> good time. And you know, I just, it's the comments like that that makes me warm and fuzzy. Thank you so much, Emmy. I hope you continue to play amazing games. And if you have not played, you might have heard of it, the uh, RGG game called Yakuza. I highly implore you to do so. There's not just one. There's several, which oh. Courtney would love to tell you about. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> we should just do a podcast where all you do is talk about the way that you would recommend people playing Yakuza. Kind of like how Alexa Ray did the definitive way to play the Kingdom Hearts series. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I mean, there's only one game that comes up that people are like, eh, on. And it's you start with Yakuza 0 or Kiwami. And you always start with 0, friends. Don't let those bullshitters tell you you start with the Kiwami. Don't do it. Start with 0. Just trust me. I know what I'm talking about. You, know? you heard it here from the woman who makes learning all the crevices of those men's abs part of her daily ritual. Speaking of five-star reviews, I did want to call out, since we had a special episode last week, and hopefully you guys checked that out, a wonderful panel with some of the women from Ascendant Studios. But because of that, we didn't have a regular show where I would have normally called this out. So the week before that, we were talking about this Nintendo Switch 2 rumor that was happening. And part of that discussion had to do with backwards compatibility. And in these reviews for the podcast, we got a one-star review from somebody named John Anonymous. Oh, of John course. John Anonymous. 
talking about how the host of the show declares with all certainty that Nintendo has never been about backwards compatibility. So that definitely wasn't how the conversation went down. I went back and reviewed the conversation because we also got YouTube comments about it as well. And I clarified in the YouTube comments that I was talking and Brittany and I were talking specifically about digital licensing rights. And that we did not make clear in the conversation, which obviously because multiple people got confused. Yes, Nintendo has done backwards compatibility in physical formats and has done it in the past. Right. Switch obviously does not do that, though. That's something with the new generation. But what we're talking about specifically is what PlayStation and Xbox are doing with the current generation consoles with the last gen. And so we did not make that clear. And I just wanted to tell you, Janonymous, you're probably not here anymore because if you gave us a one star review, I'm guessing that you just noped out after that. But if you all have problems with some of the stuff we say, we would love to have a dialogue with you. That's what, you know, our email is for. That's what the comments on YouTube are for. That's what our what's good underscore games Twitter account is for. But I wanted to bring it up because yeah, sometimes we do get it wrong. And sometimes we say things that aren't clear. And that's just part of podcasting. And we want to make sure that you guys know that we're open to talking to you about that. We're never going to sit on our pedestal and be like, we are never wrong. Even if we're wrong, you know, you go fuck yourself. Like, that's not really our jam. I mean, if you're a dick about it, you know, we'll have some choice words for you. But, you know, we like having passionate fans in our community. And we love having dialogue. Our Facebook fan page is a great place for those conversations, as well as our Discord, discord.gg slash what's good game. So let's open a dialogue instead of maybe you leaving a one-star review next time. Just a food for thought. I appreciate you being so kind because if you have a problem with something, friends, you don't have to go zero to asshole like that. You could be kind about your comment. That's all I'm saying. We've like lost that as a species. We can't just have chill dialogue where it's like, hey, like I heard your point. I think you might've forgotten about this. Instead, this person's knee-jerk reaction was I'm going to leave a one-star review starting with, why do I keep trying this podcast? You know what I mean? That's the part where I get pissed off. Completely unnecessary. People just need to be I, kind to one another. 100% agree with you, Brittany. And I think the tag at the end of it was with the, but hey, they're pretty right. So give them your money, which just like another dig that was ugh, wholly unnecessary. But I mean, thanks for the compliment, I guess. <laughs> I wanted to call that out because I was talking to some people in our YouTube comments about it, trying to clarify what we said, because we've been Nintendo fans for a long time. And we've talked about it many, many times over. But obviously, during that conversation, it wasn't clear. And we'd love to, you know, chat it out next time before you just jump to leave it a one star review. That's all I want to say. We have lots more cool, fun things to talk about this week, like how this week's episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. But of course, I'll tell you more about that later. If you missed our Gamescom 2023 opening night live stream, don't worry, we're going to cover some of the highlights here. I thought Jeff Keighley's show this year was really well done, mm-hmm. as per usual. He did the right thing by getting out in front of people's expectations and said, hey, I've listed out pretty much all of the announcements. There will be one or two surprises, but the bulk of the show is going to be stuff that's already been announced and we're getting updates on things that you're already familiar with, just so everybody knows. And I appreciate that he went out of his way to do that because the internet is so quick to be like, this show sucked. It was dumb. There was no world premieres. And he's like, not every show is going to be, you know, like a 10 out of 10 banger. You know, like sometimes, you know, people just want to show you a new trailer for a thing you already know exists. And I appreciated that about the show. And I thought overall it was great. It did go a little long for a show that was mostly just updates. Could have had some trimming out of that. But overall, I thought a really good show. Rihanna, I know you were working through most of it, but did you go back and catch any of the trailers or reveals? I did. I did. I really enjoyed the Crimson Desert trailer. I thought that looked really interesting. Like so 
many different things about it were interesting. I like that you can pet the animals. I like that you turn into a weird bat creature and fly through the air. Excited to see more and figure out more about what that is. The thing that I was most tickled by is that we finally got a hug for Modern Warfare 3 gameplay. <laughs> yes! <laughs> HUD Hunters! Our HUD Hunters. Let's go! <laughs> out what, we, what we look at. What we see when we look at the reticle. But yeah, I thought there were a couple of good moments and I didn't need surprises. Like at this point in the year, there's plenty to look forward to. So adding to the list would honestly be a little overwhelming at this point. So I was glad to get a better look at some of the things we know we're going to be playing soon. Yeah, so I'm going to pull up that Crimson Desert trailer because I think that was a big surprise for both Brittany and I kind of looking at that game going like, what is this game? Like, why haven't we really heard much about it? It's because they haven't given an update since 2020. And I think rightly, a lot of people were associating the game with Black Desert Online, the MMO from the same studio, uh, Pearl Abyss. And turns out this is not an MMO. So after we watched this trailer, I got the press release from their team and I reached out and was like, hey, I have a couple questions, you know, about this game. Could you please answer some of these questions? So this game, the kind of blurb from the press release. So much going on. It's like three and a half minutes. So it's a nice beefy trailer. I had like 15 bullet points of just random things that I saw during it. Because like you think it's going one way and next thing you know, like Reese said, you're turning into a bat creature and then you're flying and then there's fishing then you're buying cooking ingredients and then you're jumping off of your horse turning into a bat thing and then you're landing on your horse as a bat thing there's a weird like huge robotic dragon covered in gold armor or something i don't even know you see him hijack a carriage you can free villagers you can pet the dogs you can pick up the cats there's a hot air balloon like i don't know what this game is it looks like a mix of like the witcher with a little bit of elden ring some kingdom come deliverance and assassin's creed and sky yeah. islands yeah it's like a little bit of everything so it says from the press release, the video portrays the story of the main protagonist, Cliff, who is investigating events that transpire in the region of Hernand and embarking on a journey of exploration through a vast open world. And what it says here is that there is combat, including hand-to-hand and wrestling moves, yes. showcasing how players can use various objects against foes, from boss fights to duels and battles against large groups of enemies. There's also skydiving, building, you can plant trees, you can jump over these crazy barriers. There's apparently, as we discussed, various mini games like fishing, arm wrestling, and taming wild horses. Oh, yeah. It's being called an open world action adventure set on the expansive continent of Piwell. Mm-hmm. That's the name of the world. They're aiming for a global release on console and PC platforms. So it is a standalone title and it's not an MMO. It's an open world action adventure again. And so I had asked if they could clarify the release window and I didn't get a response because previously it had been said that fall 2023 was what they are aiming for. But I do not think that that is the case because they absolutely would have talked about that in this trailer if fall was still a thing. And I think for them and everybody else, it's a good thing that it's not coming out (laughs) in fall of 2023 because there's so much (laughs) happening this fall. And this looks to be like a massive game. And it looks really ambitious. And it looks really cool. It It looks really cool. I think, is it confirmed 2024 now? I mean, obviously this game isn't coming out this year. I did not get a response on the release window. In the trailer. Okay, because I checked the website up and down looking for something. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. even checked the end of the trailer too. And either I missed it, but I could not get a confirmation on when this is coming. And it's absolutely okay that there's not a window. I just 
didn't know like how yeah. close this was to being done because this trailer shows a lot of the game. It shows mm-hmm. a lot, yeah, and it's all captured. I don't know if all of it is, but it's definitely in game. So you can see like they, they obviously capture this while you're playing because I was watching this and during some combat, the guy like kills someone and then his armor flies off and you could loot it if you wanted to. I was like, oh yeah, but no, this looks really mm-hmm. good. I don't know, I'm really excited for it, and it does mention in the YouTube description too an epic of survival with a focus on immersive storytelling. And so I thought the survival was interesting because you know you do see the ability to buy cooking ingredients and then. And if you look on the lower left of the HUD, you see a temperature gauge. And I'm wondering if maybe that has something to do with survival elements or maybe there won't be that many survival elements at all. But this one really surprised me. And I think this is now a very like highly anticipated game. I don't want to say most anticipated next year because that's too dramatic and it's untrue. But like this definitely <laughs> moved up to the list. So like, damn, I want to go fishing. It looks really, really cool. So I told them, I said, hey, once this game is ready to see if there's a hands-on opportunity, <laughs> let us know. We in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so there was a lot going on. I think another big highlight was Cyberpunk 2077. Mm-hmm. This looked really great. I love that the devs that came on stage were like, hey, this isn't just about the paid expansion. We also are bringing a lot of these improvements to the base game. So if you already own Cyberpunk 2077, this update 2.0, they're calling it, will increase these different abilities like throughout the game. So it's vehicle combat and mounted weaponry, revamped police system, combat AI overhaul, endless dynamic events and missions, redesigned cyberware and perks, the relic skill tree and abilities, and increase increased level cap and then I think the increased level cap might be with just with the expansion and then the new items I don't know if the new items are exclusively with the expansion or with the base game but a lot of the gameplay systems that they overhauled are also going to be overhauled in the base game too which I think is great. Yeah it's really awesome. Yeah like they said on stage and I think you touched on this too. These are new features coming to the expansion and some of these are also coming to the main game. We just don't know which ones yet but damn like it's making me want to hop into another playthrough of Cyberpunk but <laughs> <laughs> I don't when, know when, though. I when I know, when. but God, Andrea, I'm excited for you because you haven't played yet. And again, when for you, because, you know, obviously we're playing Starfield right now and I'm trying to play Baldur's Gate 3. It's hectic as hell. But like how exciting for you that you're getting yeah, this so- experience. I've been waiting to jump back in because I had such a, you know, bad taste in my mouth from the launch experience. And I know that they've done so much work on the console version of this game. And people have been telling me now is a great time to jump in. But I'm so glad I waited because with this announcement, now it's like, okay, this is clearly what I should wait for. Now, once 2.0 goes live, then I can play it and then go jump right into the expansion. Hell yeah. What else stood out from you from opening night live? A little thing called Alan Wake 2. Ah, that little game. You may have heard of it. So we got, I think it was maybe a minute and a half trailer, but obviously Gamescom is a thing that's happening and several outlets are there and they are getting, well, I know at least IGN got a 40 minute offhand demo demonstration and I was reading all of the coverage today and I am just so freaking excited. So I think one of the things I want to talk about the IGN hands-on that I thought was super interesting is that this time they got to see Alan Wake gameplay. So when we were at Summer Game Fest, we just saw Saw. Anderson and she's like incredible and amazing but everyone's like yo this game's called Alan Wake what's what's going on with Alan where's like the really creepy shit and so Alan's portion takes place in this place called the dark place the dark place the dark <laughs> place and this is like this alternate dimension where basically artistic skills can influence and rewrite like the reality of the dark place and you learn a lot about that in Alan Wake but anyway so he is there right now and it's this weird version of New York and then IGN's coverage talks about these puzzles where I guess you'll be walking around and you'll 
absorb energy into this like angel lamp you'll have. And Rhea, I thought of you because I know you have a thing for lanterns and lamps and you'll upload it into like streetlights or whatever. Anyway, it'll change the land around you. For example, if you see like iJane's example, a shadowy garbage heap quote suddenly becomes an illuminated subway entrance. And so in theory, Alan's able to change the layout of the city because again, the dark place is this weird realm that's like influenced by creativity and like the thoughts of your mind. And as you're exploring, you're going to find these quote areas of inspiration or thoughts of inspiration. And then after you find those, you're going to go to this place called Alan's Writer Room, which is like this 3D menu hub that has like a typewriter or a desk on it. And there you're going to be able to think about like what you've seen and learned so far. And then you're going to be able to manipulate the world around you. So for example, the example IGN gave is that Alan discovers a derailed train that blocks his path, but using previously discovered source of inspiration is able to rewrite the scene to open the train and provide a path onward. But this new storyline paints over the train with symbols of a terrifying murder cult and fills its seat with horrifying burnt remains of the commuters who are cooked alive. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, did you say cooked alive? Yes, cooked oh. alive. So you'll be walking around, you'll get inspiration, you'll go back to your writer's room, piece it all together, and then change the world around you so you can proceed. I don't know how much you can actually influence what it is or if it's just kind of set in stone, like what it will turn out to be. And then he also mentioned that it looks like it's going to be a little bit more Metroidvania and then you'll be able to create shortcuts and travel back and forth and come back to puzzles later if you want to. And I'm like, oh God, like I'm so excited for this for multiple reasons. Once I just finally finished Alan Wake for the first time, maybe like four months ago. And I always thought the concept of it was so, so fascinating. And now though, now that we're 13 years later and the team has really reflected on what kind of game they made back then and what kind of game they want to make now, really leaning into, I think, the horror of survival horror and making encounters with enemies much more meaningful instead of just a whole bunch of waves and waves of enemies, which you came across in the first one. But now every encounter you have is going to have meaning and purpose. And it's going to build up to that moment. So I think that's where you're going to get some of those, those scares and that horror aspect of it. So you're going to have like the horror stuff, but then you have the weird like control quantum break, that weird remedy psychological flair to it as well. And I think they're going to do a really cool, just from what we've seen, melding of the two. And just thinking about that, like this could be like one of the best survival horror, like horror experiences that we've had in a long time, just from what we've seen and from what I've seen at Summer Game Fest. And just like, there's so much potential with this. I'm really fucking excited for it. it looks, ah. It looks spooky. I do appreciate that it doesn't look as gory as some of the other horror games yeah. that have come out recently. I definitely prefer more psychological horror than to like really gruesome, like scorn gore, right? Like I'm just yeah. like, mm, it's a little it just too icky for me. But this game looks looks intense. And I liked that they showed some of the FMV, the, the full motion video, mm -hmm. how they're incorporating video components into the game. And I think it's going to be a really cool blend. I think this is going to be a really cool art piece in addition to being a really fun game. And then they did announce this week as well that the release date changed. So they pushed it back a little bit mm -hmm. to Good. October 27th, yeah, which is totally fine. The middle of October is very busy. Getting closer to Halloween, I think thematically feels right. Give the team like a little little bit of breathing room to get that last polish push in. It's still going to be a very busy fall. I know our friends over at Gamer Take Radio were talking about how they wanted to see it pushed all the way to January. Yeah, that um, was extreme. <laughs> 
Wow. No. I, like, I, listen, Paris didn't have a bad point that it would be the star of the show yeah. in January. Obviously, Tekken 8 announced that they are moving to January as well, because I think we all thought that they were coming out this fall, and then they're coming out in January too. But I think this game is going to do just fine no matter when it comes out, because it is looking very, very good. Looks really good. We need to get Danny on the show, where you might be familiar with one Danny Pena, because he is he knows that lore of Alan Wake and Quantum Break and, and Control. Like, and I was reading an article on IGN about it, how they just deep dive through that trailer, all these little secrets and like what it could mean for the story. And it gets real meta and real brain fucky. And Danny always is trying to explain it to me, but I'm so new to this game that it goes way over my head. But I would love to have someone try to explain it to me because you see Sam Lake and he's Alex Casey. I think that's the detective's names. And there's a whole bunch of tie-ins and connections that I don't, it melts my brain. But I'd Feels love to like have Feels like a spoiler cast might need to happen yeah! at some point. Yes. Oh, when though because turns yeah. out in November I hear he's going to be very busy <laughs> I'm sure he can make time for this because he's definitely we'll going to make time to play <laughs> we'll see we'll see alright we don't want to spend too much time talking about everything from opening night live if you guys want to watch our reacts please do check it out I do want to mention from the Call of Duty stuff that was announced on stage they did some further information throughout Gamescom week they announced the beta dates that are happening for Modern Warfare 3. PlayStation Early Access Beta Weekend starts on October 6th. It will be October 6th and 7th. And then the open beta will be the 8th, 9th, and 10th of October. And then the Xbox and Battle.net and Steam Early Access Beta is the weekend after the 12th and the 13th. And by the way, the PlayStation Beta will continue. And then all platforms will be in open beta the 14th, 15th, 16th. So if you're looking to jump in and check it out, checking out that open world zombies, you're not going to see it in the beta because that will probably be in the beta, but it'll be in the game when it comes out November 10th, which they also announced the release date. So anywho... I feel like that's most of the big news from Gamescom. There was a bunch of other stuff, to be clear, but it's a lot. And we definitely want to talk about Project Q. Oh, Man, the internet was upset about Project <laughs> yeah. Q and all the speculation that's happening. So Project Q is actually called the PlayStation Portal, and this comes from IGN. After teasing the device at the last State of Play showcase, Sony officially announced its handheld device's new name is the PlayStation Portal, Mm -hmm. which is slightly like every time I read it, I keep (laughs) thinking it says portable. Yep. And I can't be the only one. (laughs) Oh, no. PlayStation Portable Portal. Portal. PSP for short, which is also not confusing at all. Also reminds me of the Facebook portal, which is a thing. Like that little, remember that yeah. little docking chat device that they had? I do. We used it with the oh, grandparents a couple times. Yeah. You could like, like group call your your entire family. Yeah. <laughs> you could, but it was actually really, not that we're talking about this device. It was actually really neat because it had the storybook mode where you could like tell stories and like all these cool things popped up for the kids. Anyway, so the name could use a little work. It's being dubbed a remote player with an eight inch LCD screen with up to 1080p resolution at 60 frames per second standard 3.5 millimeter jack and confirmed that it will be $199.99 potentially slated for release later this year and IGN apparently got to play with it yeah, so some of the highlights, because I just went through and pulled it, because it was a really nice, long write-up, but we'd be here all night. They talked about the grip. So basically, the contraption itself is an 8-inch screen in the middle. On each side, you have what look like two DualSense controllers attached to it, right? And they went on to talk about how you can feel the haptics just as well when you play any other game. The touchpad is still available. The adaptive triggers are available. The only thing that's not there is the light bar, which is like, that's fine. No one really cares. The next thing I have on here is called Holes and Shit. And what I want to talk about regarding this is 
there's a USB-C port for charging, the jack that Andrea just mentioned, and a small pair of speakers if you don't want to use headphones. Connectivity-wise, it supports Wi-Fi and PlayStation Link. More on that in a minute, but no Bluetooth, which is just a really, really stupid decision. This is the thing that everyone was up in arms about. It's like, how do you make a portable device in 2023 and not make it Bluetooth enabled? Like, what? Especially when you've all bought your headsets, you know, that are hella expensive. And now what? You know, you have to buy another one. You get the new buds. You get the buds, which are how much? Like hundreds of bucks? I don't know how much they I are. I thought they were really expensive. Aren't they like $300? Yeah. Hold yeah. on. While she's looking that up, we'll talk about the remote play. So the PlayStation Portal's use of remote play uses remote play rather than cloud streaming. Of course, this means you they need are a- 199 oh. Also too expensive for earbuds. The same price as the fucking device. Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> of course, this means you need a PS5 in order to use PlayStation Portal, but it also means that not only your account progress and trophies are there, but also your actual PS5 home screen. You can swap between games or even run any other PS5 app just as you're playing on a TV. That said, and this is the big one here, you don't actually have to be in the same room or even on the same local network as your PS5 in order to stream your games. And to be clear, the portal doesn't run anything locally, not even basic apps. So if your Wi-Fi goes down or if someone else wants to use your PlayStation 5, it's not going to work. So I tweeted about this this morning and I was like, well, I mean, I can see cases where people would want to use one of these. For me, it would be one of the things that I take with me when I travel, you know, assuming I can connect to hotel Wi-Fi. And most of the responses were like, you would have to bring your PS5, though, wouldn't you? And I was like, I don't think so. And then IGN no, posted this hands-on. Right. Yeah, that's not but how remote play works. Yeah. Right, right. And so there was a lot of confusion about, do I need the PS5? Do I need the same local network? No, you do not. So if you are someone who travels a lot and you don't have to worry about, you know, your Wi-Fi at home or someone else wanting to use the PS5, sounds like that might be an option for you. Yeah, remote play kind of, like... Take this very loosely, everybody. It kind of works like a VPN in the sense that you are like logging in remotely via the internet to your PlayStation. I used to do it with Destiny just to go check Xur back in the day. <laughs> but when you always had to go check Xur every weekend, the Google search for where Xur was permanently burned in my Google history because I was typing it all the time. But that only works for certain kinds of games. There's a lot of games where that latency and that lag is just not great. And there's just so much about this that is head scratching, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like, if you're going to do this device, having come from one of the most successful handhelds, next to Nintendo, the PlayStation Portable, and the Vita, both excellent handheld gaming devices. If this is the successor, it's kind of like a, huh? Wait, yeah. what? Is it? Nah, this can't be right. Right, guys? <laughs> Oh, this is it. This is this is what we're getting. And I and I know if you were to build something that runs things natively or whatnot, I know it'd be a lot more expensive. And I know some folks are like, oh, for one ninety nine, I can justify that. And I'm also like, but you could spend a few bucks more and get a fucking switch, a hundred dollars more and get a switch. I'm just saying. Or you can just remote play from your phone. Right. And, and that was the other thing get that a folks backbone. were saying too. <laughs> Right. And now, like, I get it. Like, you know, not a lot of people have an eight inch screen on their uh, their phone is it eight inches, whatever. Or I know some folks maybe need their phone readily available and it's not easy just to use that to play games on. So, like I said, I can see like a use case for this, but I just the attach rate for this is going to be so small. I just don't know how many people are going to want this unless, again, you have one TV at home. 
and you don't want to play your M-rated games in front of your children, maybe, or maybe, you know, you and your partner have to, like I said, fight over who uses the TV, or maybe you like to play games alone in your bedroom. Like, I can see people justifying it, but obviously this isn't what I would want from a Sony handheld, but. It's also a tough sell at the price, right? Like $200 on top of whatever you already spent for your PlayStation 5. Like, it's it's just such an investment. And And the headset. It and a new headset and unless you you know plug in wired speakers so and it's the wi-fi crux of it is to me the deal breaker because the reason i love my switch and my steam deck both for like different reasons but that i can use both of those devices without being connected to the internet Mm -hmm. and without being connected to power as long as my battery is charged and they are both wonderful devices in different ways and if you have to have wi-fi or internet in order to be able to use this device it to me is like it's useless I can even game on my phone without being connected to the internet because I have plenty of games that don't require me to be connected to play. That to me is like the big, like, why do you make a portable device that requires internet connectivity? I don't know. Yeah, like people have, were even up in arms about our home consoles requiring internet activity when they came out. And so, it, yeah. yeah, which I'm still up in arms about because a lot of single player games require you to be logged into the internet to play, even though there's no multiplayer component. Yeah. And I'm like, this is dumb. <laughs> Yeah. Don't make me do it. Xbox had a thing. They had a thing that they were thinking of doing. (laughs) They Um, had a thing. Anyway, yeah, we definitely just need to see more. Maybe there's something we're missing. Or maybe this device just is for a very small part of the market. I think that's exactly it. I think that's it. I think I could see myself getting this and then it's sitting on my dresser collecting dust. Because honestly, you know. It just feels like a miss. It just feels like a miss to me. Like if you're going to put all the R&D into building something like build it, do it. Yeah. Sell it. Make people happy. Bring people joy. Don't bum people out about no Bluetooth. Okay. A story that's a little bittersweet. I don't want to call it a bummer because this man deserves his flowers and deserves his time off. But we are saying not goodbye, but, you know, moving on to a different phase. The legendary Charles Martinet, the voice of Mario and so many other characters in the Nintendo universe, has officially gone into retirement, like air quotes, Nintendo put out a statement earlier this week saying that Charles, the exuberant voice of Mario, will no longer be voicing Mario, but instead would become a Mario ambassador (laughs) and continue to travel the world, sharing the joy of Mario and interacting with you all. It's really interesting that, you know, he's decided to continue to be a Mario ambassador while retiring because, I mean, if I was Charles and I had been doing Mario for, what is it, 30 years, I believe. Yeah, almost 30 years, it says. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, this was fun. I loved y'all. Y'all are great. I'm just going to take a little break for a while, and then maybe we can hang out again later. I just need to take some me time. I will say <laughs> that my very first E3 I ever worked in 2008, I got to interview Charles Martinet just on happenstance. It was just pure random luck that I happened to be at a booth where he was, and my boss, Torrance Davis, had known him and interviewed him in the past and said, Charles, could we get, and like really, it was like red carpet style. Charles, (laughs) Charles, could we just get a couple minutes of your time on camera? And here's me, little baby Andrea Renee, very first E3, never done a video game convention. I had up to that point done lots of red carpets and 
other entertainment news stuff, but as like a Nintendo fangirl, having <laughs> grown up with Mario, I like had to really like pull my shit together because I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> and he was like the kindest, nicest person. And it was in my video game, my host reel for a long time with him saying, it's me, Mario. <laughs> and me just like dying laughing. <laughs> just being like, oh my God, I can't handle it. It's fucking Charles Arnett. He was just so great. And I saw that Jeff Keighley posted one of his really old interviews with Charles as well. And this was just like such a, it's just such a wonderful thing to highlight his incredible career. So uh, he's incredible. Every time I've seen him, he is just a bundle of joy and warmth and happiness. And like, he is like the embodiment of Mario, I feel like. So it makes sense that he would be a Mario ambassador. I mean, I think the dude's in his late 60s by now. So maybe, you know, voice work. I mean, we're speculating here. I don't want to do that. But what I'm saying is maybe if voice work isn't like no longer something he wants to spend all of his time doing, it makes me happy that he'll still do the Mario ambassador stuff. Because I envision that as him just traveling to a whole bunch of cool stuff, getting to interact with fans and getting to just bring his light to wherever he goes. And I think that's really cool. So hopefully, you know, we'll continue to see him at certain things. But man, it's gonna be really interesting to see who uh, who takes up those roles as Mario and Luigi and Wario and Waluigi and everybody else. That's gonna be interesting. It's almost like, now this might be controversial, oh. but like, doesn't Nintendo have enough voice recordings to just yes. fully AI it? Like, and that's the, one of the rumors going around. Right? Like, it's just a rumor, but yes. Probably. Just like, <laughs> as long as they gave Charles, like, a really fat payday, like, a really fat, like, golden parachute, as it were, to be like, you were great. You probably are bored AF of doing the same, hoo, <laughs> over and over again, right? Yeah. How about we give you a big old chunk of money because you've been great. And then we're just going to have like perpetuity rights to AI your voice from now until forever. Like if I was Charles Martinet and the paycheck was good enough, I'd be like, that sounds great, Nintendo. I've been yeah. doing these voices for a long ass time. Give me a nice fat paycheck and you can AI my voice. Because what was really wonderful about our interview with Jennifer Hale, I had the opportunity to talk to her a couple of months back. And hopefully y'all who are listening and watching got to see that interview. And if you haven't, it's a really powerful interview where she talks really passionately about some of the issues that actors are facing, which are especially poignant right now with the sag after strike that's happening. And AI was a really big thing. And she's like, I, as an actor, I'm not against AI. I just want to make sure that it's done right and that the people whose voices are being used are getting their paycheck for it. As long as there's, you know, the contracts are in place and everyone's being taken care of and protected, like this doesn't have to be a bad negative thing. We just want to make sure that people aren't being taken advantage of. And I thought she had some really poignant, interesting things to say about it. So yeah, that, but that's got to be where Nintendo's at, right? I mean, just, yeah. Well, I mean, they the, sit right here. The voice board and everybody licenses it and he makes money off of it forever. That's fine. So this says Nintendo's also confirmed to Eurogamer that Super Mario Wonder will not feature Charles with new voice talent taking over in the roles of Mario and or Luigi. Charles is not involved in the game. We're excited to honor his legacy. Character voice actors for Mario and or Luigi in the Super Mario Bros. Wonder will be credited in the game credits. So please wait for the game to be released. A surprise. <laughs> That's really weird that they're not saying who the voice actors are, right? 
It's yeah. I mean, unless they don't want to take away from this this part, you know, like oh, this announcement. I mean, that's maybe, but or they don't want like threats going to those people because gamers are weird sometimes. It's true, they are. But like, if yeah. he's announcing his retirement, why would people go after the n- new person taking over? That's dumb. Because people right? are stupid, Andrea, and I think people yes, you can tell yeah. someone like this is a white object. You'd be like, it's magenta, motherfucker. <laughs> They're firing Charles. That's They're kicking him out. <laughs> that's literally where we're at now as humanity. Yeah. It's true. It's magenta. <laughs> I've been watching too much it's Blue's Clues life. with my son. It's like it's that fucking dress all over again. Oh my oh, god, yeah. I still don't get it. <laughs> I read the scientific explanation of how the dress can be two different colors, and I was like, this doesn't make sense. But then I saw the dress in two different situations, and I saw it as two different colors, and I was like, okay, this nope. is this can't be the right the same picture. Somebody photoshopped it, right? I've literally anyway. seen somebody photoshop like explain it with the light bar moving left and right. Like this is it with full light. This is it with low light. And I was like, my brain still sees two dresses. I don't know what to tell nope. you. I can't. Yeah. I can't care enough. I can't. There's too much else to care about. Like Persona Three Reload as a release date for February second, twenty twenty four. Twenty twenty four gonna be an awesome year already. I can feel it because we're getting Persona Three Reload. No, there is a bunch of previews. About the new Yakuza game, Like a Dragon Gate in the Man Who Erases Name, and Persona 3 Reload. Unfortunately, I was supposed to be there to go hands-on with all of that, and then I caught the cove, so I couldn't go. So sad. This is not the second time you've missed it's the, the Yakuza second thing because time. of COVID. Can you believe it? I, I wanted no. to shit bricks. I wanted to fucking shit bricks. I'm like, you're not going to believe this. My contacts at Sega. I'm like, you're not going to believe this, because here we are, eight months later, and I have to turn down another Sega thing because of fucking COVID. It was the right thing to do, and I stand by that, but I'm still regret it very, very much. Yes. Uh, anyway, yeah, a lot of really awesome previews coming out for all of the Sega games. And yeah, we got the uh, we got the release date, and that is all. I just wanted to point everyone to February 2nd, because it's going to be fucking amazing. I think this could be one of the best Persona games. Like, I, wow. I mean, I, I just, but it's really good. Like, the story is really great, and I haven't read the actual articles yet, but for the headlines I've seen is despite the Persona 3 Reload missing some of the features of the last Persona, TLDR, it still looks like it's going to be really, really well. And it almost makes up for like not having a female protagonist, et cetera, et cetera. But we'll see. Very cool. And Armored Core reviews are out this week. Apparently it is, as of the podcast recording, sitting around an 88 on Metacritic for PS5, which mm-hmm. is very good. And 79 on Xbox, which is also very good. As we mentioned during the preview with our friend Ozzy Mejia, the game looked and played great when we saw it back in July. And I'm not surprised at all that it's getting really good good mark. So if you guys are looking for something to fill your time until you either jump into Starfield and if Baldur's Gate 3 isn't blowing your skirt up and you're just waiting for stuff in September, you know, maybe check out Armored Core for some mech pew-pews. <laughs> for a second, they said mech poo-poos. I was like, mech, <laughs> mech poo-poos. Well, I mean, your mech may go poo-poo because you're going to get your ass beat yeah. down in that game because it's hard. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the game looked fantastic. So be ready for punishment. Y'all know. It's a From Software game. You know what you're signing up for. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for our first segment. When we come back, we have some video games to talk about, including my time with Immortals of Avium and Fae Farm Time, y'all. It's all about that cozy sand life. Stick with us. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, everybody, to the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast, where we talk about what we've been playing and any preview events we have been to. And this week, we've got both. But before we get to that, I want to let you know that this week's episode is brought to you by this fantastic sponsor. This week's episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Now, listen up, everybody. I know that none of you out there actually watch porn, but just in case, you know, if you have friends that maybe watch porn... You're going to want to pay attention to this. With everything going on in the world, governments have increased their surveillance. Surprise! Like, we didn't already know that. They're using devices to track your location, your movements, and in many countries, your internet activity. Now, you don't want to be literally caught with your pants down, am I right? One of the best ways to keep your browsing online activity private is by using ExpressVPN. When you use ExpressVPN, your internet connection is rerouted through a secure encrypted server so you can surf the web anonymously without anyone looking over your shoulder. Look, now I know you probably think all you have to do is use incognito mode and that no one is going to see that you watched every last hentai video on Pornhub. Or, you know, whatever else your kinks are. We don't kink shame here. But you're wrong. You're flat out wrong. Hate to tell you. Even when you're using incognito mode, your internet provider, like Verizon or the AT&Ts of the world, can see every single website you visit. And if you guys are on like a Wi-Fi at a hotel or a coffee shop, which please don't look at porn in coffee shops, anybody, their IT admins can also see everything that you've been watching, if you didn't know. And that's why ExpressVPN is so important. I use it whenever I go online, like I talked about in my last time, you know, mentioning about ExpressVPN, I was looking at antique stores, a very risque thing, I know. Antique stores, they're the new porn. What can I say? So I recommend that you all do the same. Protect your browsing history. Without ExpressVPN, you're giving people a free license to peek over your shoulder and see all the freaky porcelain plates that you're looking at. So protect your privacy today and get three months of ExpressVPN for free. Visit expressvpn.com slash what's good games. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S VPN.com slash what's good games for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash what's good games to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's start off our hands-on impressions this week talking about Immortals of Avium. So y'all know last week I had the wonderful Julia and Alyssa on the show to talk about their work on the game. And now the game is out for everybody to play. And 
Gotta say, my feelings are a bit mixed on the game. So let's start mm-hmm. off by saying thank you to EA and Ascendant Studios for giving me a copy of the game to play in advance of release. And for, of course, setting up the interviews, talking to the dev team was great. And I think this game has some really good bones. Was missing a few components, but is setting the stage for potentially a really fantastic sequel. Honestly, okay. one of the things that really struck me in my initial playtime was this feels so reminiscent of Forspoken in a Mm. lot of ways. In multiple ways. Like the magic system feels very similar to Forspoken. There's a lot of like you're dropping this kind of like rug rat, street rat, I don't buy that character into this world that of magic wielding and they you kind of have to get up to speed and be this like battle mage like really quickly. So that was very reminiscent. And then also a lot of the problems that I had with First Spoken also seemed very similar to the problems that I had with Immortals huh. of Avium. The reviews, if you guys have looked at the reviews either on Metacritic or just kind of across the internet, are all over the map. Mm. Some people really like it. Some people really hate it. And the performance issues are also all over the place. There's definitely issues on PC and there's also definitely issues on console. I am playing on Xbox Series X and I had some pretty bad pre-launch bugs. They're supposed to be launching a pretty big patch sometime this week. The exact timing of the patch was not confirmed to me. I do have some details on the patch, but they asked me to not publish the details because I think they're going to be adding to that list. And it's not a finalized list, but it's basically a lot of performance things, some bug fixes, you know, your kind of standard stuff. But overall, this game is really fun. And I'm really invested in the story. Like I, I keep playing it, even though I've been having some problems with it because... I actually really like it. And I know some people think that it's like too quippy and some of the dialogue is kind of annoying. And I'm just like, I don't know. I've had some really fun, like laugh out loud moments. And there's been some really good, really tense moments where I was like, oh my God, like this is like, this feels legit. And I think a lot of that has to do with this incredible voice cast that they have. I mean, led by Mm -hmm. Gina Torres, who is just chef's kiss. She's so, so, so good. She plays General Kirkin. I'm happy to hear you say that because I think that was one of the driving forces for me that, that makes me actually still want to play this game. I haven't had the chance to play it yet was the story itself. And even when you and I played a little bit at Summer Game Fest, the characters are what stood out to me and how it's just such a unique setting. Unlike, you know, what we've seen a lot in games today, especially the magic. People got like magical Call of Duty and I know to some extent like haha, but I just thought it was a really interesting premise. And so I'm happy to hear that you like the story and you're invested in it. Yeah, I mean, listen, not for nothing, like the opening sequence, it feels so, so tired. It's almost like it's like, mm. it's like, it's, it's like they're trying not hard enough. It's like you you play this, like what you're, what's called uh, an unforeseen. You're like a street rat, like a, a like a, essentially like a orphan. You have like a collection of like orphan friends. You live in a house. You are getting by, stealing on the street. And then this attack happens on your city from this warring faction. The ever war, these two nations on this planet of AVM are like potential are always at are like fighting against each other. And they come into your town and like blow shit up and you know, like kill some of your friends and you're all mad. It reminded me a lot of the beginning of Arcane, actually, uh, Mm. which was really interesting to me. But I think like the thing is like I was watching the opening being like I really wanted them to put more of an emotional weight behind that 
interaction to make it feel like the reason why you get this burst of magic because like the whole shtick about why your character Jack you know becomes this triarch mage where you can wield all three colors of magic is because you went through this really intense emotional experience but they didn't spend enough time like developing those relationships in the beginning of Mm. the game for me to feel like it really paid off but I was happy to just like move beyond that for the sake of like getting to the cool magic combat and the gameplay because I was like "Eh, okay the backstory is fine and all I don't really care too much about the backstory. I just want to get to like the pew pews and like the cool magic shit. And they do move on to it pretty quickly. They literally have like a big like screen that's like five years later. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, perfect. This is what I want. Let's just jump forward. And you do get to progress through the skill trees pretty quickly, which I liked. So I talked about in my developer interview and we talked about in our preview for Summer Game Fest about how this game is a bespoke crafted experience. It's meant to be a progression RPG action adventure, but also it's not meant to be this giant sandbox. And I actually like that about it because I think it allows them to have some better storytelling moments. And we do get some really great storytelling moments with Jack and how he is learning to be a soldier and learning to be in this chain of command after he comes from this life of essentially living on the street, being a thief, trying to survive, and now has to like be in the military and kind of figure out, you know, who he is, why he has this magic, what he's going to do with it, and, you know, how he's going to contribute to the Ever War and try to like essentially avenge, you know, the people that he's lost in the war. And... I love the side characters. So there's a couple key side characters that we get to meet. Obviously, we talked about, you know, Gina Torres' character, General Kirkan. But the other two characters that are really cool are Zendara and Devin. And I'm going to try to pull up a trailer that features them because... They are so much fun. And Zendara is just this Is she the muscle mommy? Yes. Mm. So I was a good muscle mommy. Muscle mommy. You know what? That is a that is actually a great way to describe her as a muscle mommy. I was watching Dev Diary on the Immortals of Avium official YouTube channel about how she was created. And the head of the art team was talking about how. Brett Robbins, who is the founder of the studio and the game director, kept coming to his desk when he was designing Zendara's character and was like, no, make her bigger. No, more <laughs> muscles. No, she's not yes. big She's not big enough. And that how he said, finally, he said, I want her to be like a female version of The Rock. Mm. <laughs> and that's how, I, that. that's how they arrived at her character design. Let me try to pull up this. There's a cinematic they released at San Diego Comic-Con that really shows her um, character <laughs> um, really well. <laughs> I know. Because she's got the, like, the Ariana Grande high pony, right? And she's got this bitchin' eye makeup with this cool tattoo. So she like looks super dope, but she, her guns, like the arms on this character. I mean, you think Abby from The Last of Us is jacked? You have not seen Muscle Mommy. Zendara, Muscle Mommy from mm. Immortals of Avia. We love a good Muscle Mommy. I think we need to add that to the West Good Game Awards. Yes, best Muscle Mommy. Because we have Carlac from Baldur's Gate, and now we have Zendara as contenders. Yes. Do any of I like, mean, the, the women from, what's the place in Tears of the Kingdom? Do they count? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Abby, that's yeah. another good one. Yes, what are the, what's, that, what's that race name? Gerudo. Gerudo, uh, yes. Yeah. So this is the cinematic that they released back at Comic-Con. If you're watching at youtube.com slash what's good games, you're going to see the muscle mommy in action. So this is General Kirkin. Um, oh, great. And this is Jack. I can't not see 
Paxton. Okay, so, so yeah, have what I, I was going to ask you <laughs> is like, I see him. obviously his name is Darren Barnett, but like, yeah. I cannot unknow Paxton Hall Yoshida. <laughs> like, at right? this point, it's been what, like three seasons of Never Have I Ever? Like, did he did he take you out of the experience at any point because of the, the character you know from before? No, no, no. He does, a, he does a really great job at playing this character. There are some... Mo- oh! So here's Muscle Mommy. Isn't Ooh. she great? Oh, yeah. So there are moments where... I do find his character really annoying, but I think it's absolutely intentional because he does play this really conflicted character who is absolutely very green and but he thinks that he is king shit a fuck mountain and he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing and General Kirkan here is always in this scene in particular she's really putting him in his place and I'm not going to tell you what they're talking about because I'm actually quite surprised that they put this cinematic out there at Comic Con because the cinematic is pretty deep in the story Mm. and it kind of spoils some of the stuff that you have to go through but um, she is a badass who has been fighting this ever war for decades and he's been fighting it for literally five years most of it being a grunt on the front lines because she picked him out of obscurity when she kind of saw his burst of magic when he became a triarch. I really love their interplay and how she's like the way that these two characters play off of each other where she's like clearly trying to control him and he's absolutely bucking against her authority being like I'm powerful you don't know how powerful I am you can't tell me what to do. It's so rare that we get a protagonist in a game, especially like an RPG, a combat RPG, where you're becoming super powerful. When in reality, like you could overpower any of your allies and be like, I don't have to listen to you. Like I literally just beat the the big bad or whatever. Like you can't you can't tell me what to do. I love that this game actually has a moment where it feels like there's this tension where he clearly is powerful and she's powerful and they could come to blows but they're supposed to be on the same side and like that actual emotional tension I felt and that's what I actually Mm. love about this game and I think that people are going to overlook when they see you know like the review scores that are focusing on some of the technical issues with the game or some of the other lore problems I go there's like there's a really good narrative in this game that I hope people actually get to experience because like the performances are actually like really, really well done. I was very impressed by like how the story kept gripping me. And I keep coming back to this game, even though I actually have Starfield and I'm playing that <laughs> as we discussed. Um, I'm just like, no, I want to finish this game and I want to see it through. But my biggest hurdle right now is that this cutscene looks incredible. This cutscene that we're watching does from a YouTube video. This is not the way the game looks when I'm playing it. And that's, that's my biggest problem is that every video that I've seen the Ascendant Studios team put out, whether it be gameplay or cutscene looks incredible. And that's not the game that I have. And Mm. that's why I'm disappointed. And that's why it reminds me a lot of Forspoken. Because when Forspoken came out, when people were playing it on PC in particular, I kept seeing people on my feed, streamers and other Let's Players being like, this game looks great. I really love it. This and this. And I was like, man, that's not the game that I got. The game that I got looked like a freaking 360 game in a lot of sequences. And I didn't understand. And this game also had a lot of texture problems. Textures not loading, lighting not loading, like the cutscene animation and mocap and lip sync being just very wildly different scene to scene. 
And mm. I, it was jarring. It didn't, it wasn't game breaking for me, but it was enough that I was like, this feels like a bummer when I've seen so yeah. many beautiful cutscenes and how I wanted this Unreal Engine 5 game to really sing. And like my the performance on my copy of the game for some reason is just not up to par. And I have to make that as a call out because like people, other people obviously are experiencing some performance issues too. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Ascendant Studios locked this game in performance mode, meaning you cannot mm. play this game in anything but 60 frames per second. There is no option in the graphics section of the menu, which, by the way, the graphics section of the menu has, like, colorblind mode, and, like, that's it. And mm. I was like, wait, there's not even, like, a brightness slider? And they did add a brightness slider on console version in the last, I think, couple of days. But I was like, where are all the other like graphic settings? How is this a game from a studio that was so focused on performance and doing 60 frames per second, but there's not an option to do graphics mode? And I'm just disappointed that as somebody who prefers to play in graphics mode because I want to see the beauty of the art that's in this game, this is not a multiplayer game. I don't need it to be in 60 frames per second. 30 frames per second is totally fine for me, but I can't undo it. And I think that's absolutely why the graphics look muddy in a lot of sequences is because I can't unlock it from 60 frames per second. Mm. That's a bummer. That's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. So I absolutely am going to finish the game because I'm definitely invested in the story. There's this like, I don't want to call it a side quest because it's definitely part of the main campaign. But there's this moment in the middle of the campaign that takes you off the beaten path to go find this character. And while you're on the path to find this character, you encounter this enemy type that's very difficult to fight. In fact, a lot of it is just disabling them and running away. You can't actually defeat them. And then there's a twist involved that's so good. I haven't laughed out loud so hard at an NPC's dialogue in a long time. And it's such Ooh. a fun moment. And I'm so glad none of the marketing material even like hints that this thing exists in the game. So all I'll say is if you play the game or if you're playing the game or interested, there's a really fun moment in the middle of the campaign that you don't want to miss and you can't miss it if you're going through the campaign. And it, okay. in, and it, involves, the, it involves the character that I'm not even going to name to okay. keep it spoiler free, but it's a really fun moment. Question. Yes. Um, one is what difficulty are you playing on and how difficult is it? And two, do you know about how long this game is? So... Based off the interview that I did with the ladies last week, sounds like if you're going at a normal pace and not doing really a lot of the side content, you can finish this game rather quickly, probably in about 15 to 20 hours. Oh, excellent. Nice. Yeah. I'm playing it on normal difficulty or magni difficulty. So there's three difficulties. There's like easy, normal, and hard. Mm -hmm. I'm playing it on normal. Um, I have died a couple times, but normal doesn't feel hard in most cases. Like most mm. situations I feel pretty pretty good. There are some like boss fights that are very intense and I have to be very mindful of when I'm using my mana and when I'm using my health potions cuz you get you have mana crystals and then you have health and that you can, you know, crush each of the different potions whenever you need them. And you're shooting all three forms of magic and the forms of magic are upgradable. What I love about the upgrade and the progression of the skill tree in this game is that it doesn't feel overwhelming. It feels like a very manageable skill tree and you can kind of respec and there's not a lot of like 
weapons or sigils is what they're called to pick up and how, because each form of magic has a different expression. So the blue magic is like your rifle or your sniper magic. So mm. it's kind of like the long damage dealing, shield breaking magic. The red magic is kind of like your shotgun magic. It's close up. It's really powerful. There's like a bash ability later on that is really good at like breaking enemy shields and enemy magic abilities. And there's three types of like weapons or sigils per each kind of magic. And then your green magic is kind of like your SMG magic where it like rapid fires really fast, but it also has a tracking ability. So you can use a different sigil that allows you to kind of shoot off like tracking rockets instead of doing like a close range where it's like really rapid fire. You can do a different one where it's like multiple rockets that kind of like hone in on your enemy in a distance. And that also has like an auto target special ability. And so I really love how the three different styles of magic really interplay with each other and you can kind of combo them together. And the enemy encounters really require you to be mindful of what magic abilities you're using at which time. The combat feels really great. What I wasn't prepared for though in a first person magic shooter is that there's no ADS, meaning there's no aim down sights. So when you're playing a first-person shooter, you hold the left trigger in, you get that Uh zoom where your reticule pulls in and then you can like pew, 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 right? This feels more like an old school shooter, almost like a doom Hmm. where there's no no zooming at all. You you can't zoom because your left trigger is for your, some of your magical abilities. So you're literally just running around hip firing the whole time. And that to me was a really interesting choice for how the magic works because you do need to use cover in certain instances, but the combat doesn't feel fast paced enough. And you're definitely way too squishy to be getting up close and personal with a lot of these enemies. So that to me feels like something that maybe needs a little tweaking. And if they're going to continue, I mean, I hope they continue this because I would like to see more from the story. I haven't finished the final mission yet, but I think that that would be something that would maybe need some tweaking. I would really like to see them incorporate ADS because like particularly with the blue magic, some of the weapons, like they have like a javelin type sigil where you can essentially have this like blue spear of magic that you can like throw when it does like really heavy damage, but it has a really like kind of slow animation because it does a lot of damage, like a sniper rifle does, right? But with a Mm -hmm. sniper rifle, you want to like, you aim, you like hold your breath, right? And you like line up your shot and then like you look down your scope and you like fire. That does not exist in this game. And so- Oh, interesting. I would really like that to be something that they incorporate down the line because it doesn't feel like it has enough of the fast paced movement that a Doom has, but you do move around like quite a bit in the levels you have to, otherwise you'll die. But it's it's kind of like, you can definitely see the inspiration from those old school arena shooters, but it doesn't quite pay off in the same way. So I feel like, and I know, sorry, I, I'm talking I'm talking a lot. I wasn't intending to talk this much about this game, but there's, there's a lot here that I think is really good. There's so much fun. Like the traversal is good. The way that you use, you can like use your magic abilities to like kind of like zip line on these. They're called, oh my gosh, what is the name? There's like these rivers of magic that you can kind of like zip line around Mm -hmm. on almost like kind of reminded me of like a, the thing at, at ski resorts. What's the thing called? 
You take ski lifts. Yes, like the like the ski lifts that you take up, but there's no like little carriage. You literally just like swing up there with like Off your you go. with like your magic lasso, and you're like, here I go, and you just kind of like <laughs> zip around on the fucking thing. It's really fun. Like there's a, like a lot of really cool traversal things, and they've added in some kind of Metroidvania elements, which I talked to the team about last week. But there's just like to me right now, there's just some technical things that are missing performance wise that make it not as beautiful of an experience as I want it to be. But it's really fun so i see why they got the scores they did like the middling scores like it's almost there but Mm. not quite there but so mostly performance issues is kind of what's plaguing it you think i mean for me i mean listen story is always going to be subjective like there's going to be people that hate story and think it's hokey and stupid i liked it i thought it was good i thought the performances were good i absolutely want to see more Devin as a character he is amazing his performance is fantastic. He's just like, so Devin is like your, he becomes like your BFF. He's this green master magi. So he only wields the green magic. So in this world, a lot of the magni, like the wizards, only wield one type of magic. And you are special. You're a trier. You can wield all three colors of magic. It's super rare. And so he's a master of the green magic. And he's of East Indian descent. And he has all of these cool influences. And I and I talked to Julia and Lissa about his design in the episode last week and some of the work that the art team did on him specifically but his character is just so much fun I love him I would love to be friends with him IRL as a character (laughs) and it's it's so rare that you get to meet NPCs in games that you're like you're dope I wish you were a real person and we could actually hang but yeah Devin is that character for me but overall I really enjoyed my time with this game I would love to see more I don't know how it's going to end because I haven't finished it. So I hope the payoff is there. I don't like, (laughs) I hope they don't like let me down at the end of the episode or at the end of the game, but I've been really enjoying it. So if you guys are interested at all, I think you're going to really have a fun time with it. Add it to the pile. I do really want to play it. I think you've kind of sold me a little bit more on it. Maybe I'll wait till some of these technical issues work themselves out. Yeah. And I'll... I do hope they push Starfield and Baldur's some Gate. more patches, but like it's it is very fun and the magic is cool and there's some really amazing boss fights in the game. So that really like kind of put you to the test. So anyway, I've been talking a lot about Immortals. I want to hear about the game that I didn't get to play because I was playing Immortals, but I'm excited to play that we saw at Summer Game Fest. It's Fay Farm. Yay. Fae Farm. Okay, so Fae Farm. So this is a game from Phoenix Labs. You may know them from Dauntless, which came out in 2019, which I really like Dauntless. I had a really good time. Yeah, Dauntless was great. Yeah, it's coming out September 8th. Don't know if I already said that, but it's coming to Switch and PC. And the content we can talk about for this preview is the first four chapters only, which is great because I'm actually on the fourth chapter right now. Rhea, how far along are you? I'm still back in chapter one, but I do know we, we okay. had a fast forward preview back at Summer Game Fest where we played some of the later yeah. game stuff. Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of tricky doing content by chapters for a game like this because mm-hmm. obviously you can take all the time in the world in between to like make lots of money and get lots of animals and stuff like that. So I think everyone's first four chapters are just going to look a little different. Anyway, so in this game, like most cozy sim games, you end up, you create your character and you end up in this mysterious land, but there's some sort of magical twist and a whole bunch of stuff is going wrong. And of course it kind of falls into you to be the one to save the town or world of Azoria. Can't know that. I don't remember if that's the town name or the world name. 
Okay, there we go. Thank you. So in the first four chapters, you know, it's it's still very tutorial-like where you're clearing the land, you're planting the crops, you're taking care of animals, but then you get to dabble into the crafting. So you have things like beverage tables, food prep tables, you have a cooking fire, you can craft a garden bench for preparing seeds, a decorating table where you can craft wallpaper and windows. And I think what sets this game apart um, from other games like this is that your crafting and your decorating increases what's called your cozy score. And so this is your mana, power, and stamina, I believe. And if you craft certain items, you can increase that. And what that does is when you're in your bed at night in your house, you wake up and I believe you have extra buffs. I have not crafted enough yet to increase my actual score, but just from talking with uh, the director and whatnot at previous events, that's what I've taken away from it. Yeah, I mean, this is just like the epitome of a cozy game. It has everything you would want from it. I've touched on the crafting, the, the farming, there's animals, and of course there are NPCs in town and romanceable characters. I think um, I was looking at my little friendship icon in the menu, and I think there was 15 town people that you can become friends with, and then there are six romanceable NPCs as well. And yeah, I mean, it's so far everyone is one of the big things for me. I mean, Andrew, remember, she was there with me when I was sitting down with the director and like asked to play in this game. Poor guy. I was just like rapid firing questions back and forth, back and forth. I think to he him was because... so into it, though. He was like, <laughs> finally, oh, yeah. somebody who who gets cozy games. <laughs> Oh, man, this is, I think, the genre that I just know more than anything, because, yeah, I mean, these have always meant so much to me. And one of the things that I love the most about these is meeting the characters and meeting the romance partners. Right. And so far, like all the townspeople seem pretty well written, very distinctly written. I will say the vendors themselves, the people who sell you the seeds and the items that you need, they all repeat the same dialogue amongst themselves. And I thought that was kind of odd and at first I wasn't entirely clear that these people were just kind of meant to serve as just folks who stand in the town square to sell you stuff because like they'll each say the same thing and that was kind of a turnoff but other than that the other characters I have met have been very fun and engaging and I'm having fun thinking about who I'm gonna romance and who I'm gonna bang because that's you know what I do in these games like this but it's it's Obviously, and there's dungeon crawling. So the the dungeon that I can talk about right now is called the Saltwater Mines. And essentially, you go here to learn how to craft ingots and upgrade your weapons, or not your weapons, sorry, your your tools. So you have your watering can, your sickle, your axe, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, it works as you'd expect it to. You go in, um, you delve deeper and deeper into the mines, you get better ore, you craft ingots from it from the crafting table that you have to craft getting the ore that you got. You know, then you take it to the the, the black blacksmith person who is named cinder and then they upgrade your stuff for you but you do have this interesting mechanic and it's called it's a seal station or a seal table and we all stop talking so you can pop pipe in in a second but <laughs> you got me going now uh you know you craft these seals and these have multiple purposes one is you can use them to unlock fast travel locations throughout the map which is like very very much appreciated And two, as you dive deeper into the dungeons, you'll use the seals at the beginning of the dungeon to unlock the level to the next door and also serve as a fast travel between levels. And so then that way you don't have to keep going, you know, it's not like you have to go through it every single time, go level by level by level. You can just fast travel. And that's something that I think the team has done a really great job is making this a convenient, cozy game. And when I say convenient, I mean, you know, you have your three main items that you can switch between. You have your, we- your air quote here, I'll get back to this in a second, your weapon, your bug catching net, 
and your fishing pole, but your weapon, it automatically switches to what you need depending on what you're doing. So if you're in a plot of land, you can push A, it's going to plant seeds. You push A again, it's automatically bust out the uh, watering can. You push A, it's going to bust out fertilizer if you have it. Same with trees, same with cutting down bushes, same with harvesting random items you find as you're traveling along the world. So that way it's very convenient. Same with animals. I mean, you just push A to pet. You can you just walk in to feed them. They all come outside. They all go inside at the end of the day. You don't have to deal with that. And so that's something that I've really appreciated. They're taking a lot of the busy work out of it. And I love that. And this game is my new obsession. Like quite literally, the time flies. I'd rather be playing it honestly than talking to you two right now and I oh, love you very wow. much dang but, okay okay you know, okay fine you know? <laughs> it was just really good and cozy and I've actually really been craving a game like this for quite some time just kind of a sim game where I can go they're my happy place they are the one genre that always relaxes me and I look forward to it the time just absolutely flies when you're playing it and you know we haven't talked about it it's multiplayer as well I haven't had the chance to check it out yet but people can join your little realm or you can travel to their realm and you can play alongside each other if you'd like to and you know Andrea I think when you have the chance to check this out I think you'll love it I think the crafting the customization the decorating just in the you know a few oh, hours I've played yeah from what we played yeah. at Summer Game Fest I was already obsessed with the idea that the decorating has actual gameplay buffs that was like exactly. such a cool feature for me that I was obsessed mm -hmm. with. I was like, wait, so I can place certain kinds of decor in my house and it gives me like buffs for like my mm -hmm. farming and all these things. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to be so bad for me. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. In the few hours I played, I have 30 different types of furniture, 13 different like interior decorating items. 16 rugs, 66 colors of trim, and all has, and I all have incentive to do it. And that was one of the things with Animal Crossing. Like, I don't really care to decorate. If it doesn't benefit me, like, I'll just fucking live in a cardboard box, whatever. But now I'm, I'm actually excited about it, and it's really getting me to dabble into it. And you find recipes as you travel around. They're just kind of blown everywhere. Anyway, I got to stop. Reed, what have you thought so far? I'm sorry. I'm, like, on a roll. I'm having so much fun talking about no, it. No, that's great. And you played so, so much more than me, so I love hearing about some of the stuff I haven't even experienced yet. But... One thing that really stands out to me in this game, because of course we've played games similar to this, is like the f not only the freedom, but also the encouragement. Like at no point did I feel like anything I did was time wasted. So because mm -hmm. I tend to get sidetracked in games sometimes, it was in the very early two stages of the tutorial and uh, met a beekeeper. He gave me my net and now I have a net and I can catch things. I spent the next hour catching things. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not at all what the game really expects you to do or or maybe intends for you to do. However, like, like I was catching snails. I was like, you know, frogs and. Oh, you can catch snails. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's how you catch those. Ad. Okay. I was wondering how you get those yeah. things. Okay. The, the snails sense. and the frogs that, that, that hop around, you can catch them with your net, a bunch of bees, a bunch of butterflies and stuff. And I was like, well, this is not anything that I need right now. So I just went and I put them all in my little inventory along with a bunch of like kale or, or whatever that I harvested. And I was like, well, okay, this mm -hmm. is time wasted. Great. Thinking that, you know, I, I just did all of this for nothing. And then not much further into the game, I'm like, oh, I just met this new person and they actually really want a brown snail in order for me to befriend them. I'm like, oh, I already have a bunch of snails. <laughs> You're like, could you imagine? Like, I won't be your friend. I got it's a like, bunch of I won't be your friend. I've been a snail collector for <laughs> years. So it, it it kind of gives you that 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 encouragement that like whatever you do, you'll find a reason that 
that it, it pays off, right? You'll find some way to, to yeah. pay that back. And I, I just appreciate that because again, we're so short on time right now. There's so many things to play, but at no point did I feel like anything I did was wasteful. And I really, really appreciate that, especially in a game where you can spend so much time on some random side task that has nothing to do with the quest, but it, it will pay off in some way in the future. Like you can cook the kale, get more energy, spend all day farming and not have to go back to sleep. Like, I don't know. I just really appreciate how thoughtful it is and really rewarding you for playing however you want to play. Speaking of that too, you can sell those bugs too or you can hoard them, which is what I did. But later I unlocked a a little creature habitat that you can put them in and then they leave items for you you the next morning. Yeah, they give you a little presents. I was like, this is the most wholesome fucking shit ever. Like when we stored and all I, those bugs in boxes <laughs> in Animal Crossing because we wanted to sell them. It was a very different story. Oh my God. I'm never going to forget going to our friend Maria's island and it was just covered in tarantulas. Just boxes and boxes of tarantulas. As the far as the eye could see. I was like, has Flick just not been to your island recently? Why do you still have all of these? I freaking love it. And the other thing too is, and I told Jason within like 10 minutes of playing, I said this is going to be a problem. <laughs> I there love it. are pro- <laughs> I knew it immediately. There are different uh, 10 different progression skills with each the activities you do. So like mining, logging, foraging, farming, and each time you level these up, you get passive perks. So maybe you have a 20% more chance of doing double damage with your pickaxe if you level it up. And every time you do something, you get this super satisfying pop-up of XP that you gained. And then you can check your little progression stats and be like, oh, how close am I to doing this? And then certain upgrades can only be done when certain weapons are upgraded. And yeah, man, it's or it's just certain levels are, are reached. But yeah, and I think to what Rhea was saying really is a big deal is that everything you collect or you forage, you can hold on to it. And there's, there's going to be a reason or purpose for it. Like I found someone I was thinking about romancing and she wanted bug juice. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't know what her pronoun, their pronouns are. But yeah, they wanted bug juice. Bug juice. I was like, okay, okay. yeah. And so... So I didn't know how to get that. And then I stuck a butterfly in my little creature aquarium thingy and it gave me bug juice the next morning. I was like, I'm getting laid tonight. I got bug juice. It's great. And I love how in the the trailer that we're watching from the Fae Farm YouTube channel, they show how you can go to your little plots of land and you can like harvest whole sections like in yes. one fall swoop. Because we tested yeah, that at the Summer Game Fest demo as well. And I was like, wait, I can like hold down a button and then I can harvest it all like at once. And they're like, yeah, I was like, why doesn't every like farming sim have this? Your inventories oh, are also interchangeable. So if you put stuff in like your house inventory, it's also in your little farmhouse inventory. So you can just like go straight to your cooking pot, which is outside in your farmhouse area. And you don't have to go back to the box and put it in your backpack and then go over there and take it out of your backpack and oh, cook it. Hallelujah. Like you literally just right? go cook like, shit and like you own this? It's great. There. <laughs> you make it. It's just... Again, the convenience and it's made this game, which I think would be great if even if it had all those old school mechanics, this little cozy experience, so much more cozy because you don't have to stress about that kind of stuff, yeah. you know, and I love that. Yeah. Like, I guess not for, to for like, time management nerds, it does take that thrill away a little bit, but yeah, and not to like split hairs, the only gripe that I've had so far about what I've experienced from Fay Farm, which is clearly like like a drop in the fucking like bucket that the multiplayer is purely just for the, like the joy of the game. 
There is literally nothing that you can bring back to your realm. You're going and playing on your friend's server or your, like I use server in air quotes here, your friend's game. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing that you get to bring back for yourself. Like you're just going to help your friend just to help them. And that's it. And that was like my big gripe when we talked to the team about it back at Summer Game Fest was like, so you have this awesome multiplayer that can support a lot of people playing on your farm at one point. But what do I get for all the time that I get to, like if I'm going to go play with Brittany, which I absolutely would love to do, and I'm going to go like, you know, like capture your bees to help you get your bug juice so you can get no, laid. I need you to decorate my stuff. I'll, dec- I'll decorate you. with all like the stools that give you like the buffs that you want and all that. But then what do, what do I get? And essentially it's like nothing. You get XP? For like no, I don't even think you get XP. At least oh. I'm trying to get clarification on that, and I and I can't because right like now. for Cause my I, conversation, I, yeah. from when I remember, like it was very much like I was very like kind of like mouth agape, like wait, like I get nothing, <laughs> and he was like, but you get to have like the time with your friends where you get to help your friend. I go, yeah, no, that's great. I love that. I love helping my friends. That's awesome. <laughs> but I don't really feel like in a game like this. I'm not at a point where I want to go to a game, a friend's game and help them just for the fun of helping them until much, much later on in the experience. Like I reached that level in animal crossing after like hour three or 400 <laughs> where I was like, I'll just co- like, I kept telling Steimer, I was like, I'm just going to come to your Island and pull weeds. Cause I like, I just, it's therapeutic for me. Let me just come and like clean the weeds out of your Island and I will clean it up and I'll, like shake your trees and whatnot. But like, that's like a very like end game late stage. Like I've done everything and I'm just like looking for fun hangs that are chill. But like early game for a game like Fae Farm, it'd be, it'd be like, you gotta like give like some kind of carrot yeah. for people to want to like go yeah. to mul- multiplayer. And I was not encouraged by what I heard from the from the team about, I was like, oh, that's cool that you can have like 20 people play with you. But then if they don't get to bring any of that experience or anything back to their own game play session, it feels like, why did we do this? Unless, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to, there's so many ways this could work. And I'm wondering, you know, if, if, you know, you and I were like, let's start a farm together. And then you and I only play in that realm. I'm wondering if then that character is tied to that realm or is it like that character? I don't know how it works. I would like some all of the characters' experiences tied to that realm, but like I, as the I would, there would still have to be like a lead, right? Like someone still would have to right. be like the owner of the of the farm of the right, right. farm, and that person would be the one to still get to make a, all a lot of the decisions about where things happen. And so that's why I'm yeah. like, I couldn't go play on that farm as like the support character without you there. I don't think. Yeah, I think that's right. You'd have to have like a co, you'd have to co-own a farm and someone would have to do like the grunt work. That would be me. And then you can do all the beautiful decorating and then we can be catching the bugs. Yeah. And I, I love I the think. idea of us like building a farm together, ladies, if you want to do that, you know, we yeah. can, but I also <laughs> love the idea that we build a farm together, but then we take that experience of building our farm together and then we get to bring some of that knowledge or experience right. points or inventory items or literally anything <laughs> tangible that I could then bring back to my game is what I want from the multiplayer experience. And it didn't seem like that was part of the game build at that time. And maybe that's something they're going to add down the line. And I get that this is very much like a, hey, I don't need to play with anybody in Fae Farm for the first like 300 plus hours. I'm good just playing by myself. But like playing with friends is always more fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, here we go. So you can have five saves, more player character permeability across saves, resource sharing, and more. So it sounds like there are 
Barb lands for something? I don't really know, but who we'll knows? have anyway. to get clarification from the team at Phoenix Labs yeah. Yeah, 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 about yeah, yeah. what exactly the multiplayer shared experience is because I vividly remember from our conversation. I remember at yeah. Summer Game Fest <laughs> with the team that I kept I asking. I kept that. asking. I felt so bad for the game director because I kept peppering and being like, but wait. Nothing. I don't get to bring anything back. It's all has to stay on my friend's farm. Like if I'm playing on Brittany's game, I can't take anything back. And he's like, nope. And I was like, wait, mm, can we talk about this again, though? <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, but then why? Then why would I want to play multiplayer ever? It's like because it's fun playing with friends. And like it is. But not if I like don't get to have anything to show for it. Like nothing. Experience points. And it was like, yeah, no. I would take XP. That would be enough. Yeah, I mean, that would be that would be good enough because I know, let's say, you know, we're playing and Andrea is farther than I am in a game and I'm not. I can join her game and her progression will share with me. Probably, I'm assuming, just for that. But, you know, I'm thinking about, I don't know, I don't think it's going to take very long to max out all of our skills because, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm already like halfway through my skills. I'm only at chapter four. So I think the idea probably is you can quickly max out all your stuff and then you can go just hang out for shits and giggles without any fear of really losing major progression while playing a game because you're already going to be maxed out. Maybe, but who knows? Anyway, yeah, again, we should probably talk to the team about that. Uh, but the game is, uh, I can't, like you said, you said it best. This is going to be a problem. <laughs> oh yeah. Like I, it's I, be already, it already, I already is. fell down a Dreamlight Valley hole for 300 plus hours. Yep, that's correct. You heard me right. Mm-hmm. Spent more than 300 hours in Dreamlight Valley, and I'm definitely going back for a spooky season because fucking it's pumpkin, pumpkin galore now that the fairy godmother's in the valley. So I just, <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, Fafar, why are you doing this to me right now? Right now? Really? Yeah. Like, and the launch date is September yeah. 8th, and Starfield is out on September 6th. It's like, what's a gamer to do? Just play them all. That's what I'm doing. And Baldur's Gate. And I'm struggling. See, and I can't even, like, I, I absolutely want to play. I downloaded Baldur's Gate on my Steam Deck. I even set up my Steam Deck dock on my television mm. in my living room so I can, like, play it like a, like a real gamer on my television. Yeah? yeah. Not like a PC gamer because, you know, I'm a fake PC gamer, everybody. <laughs> Not that's surprising anybody. <laughs> and I keep being like, okay, tonight's the night. I'm going to make my character in Baldur's Gate 3. That alone is like, like three hours. Give yourself a few hours. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good place to start. Just make your character so you're ready to go whenever you're ready to go. I don't know what I'm going to do, Brittany. Yeah. I can't. There's too many games. You just cry. You just cry and you rock back and forth in a corner. I literally spent all of last right night just trying to get my baby to stay in her fucking bedroom. She's too <laughs> and isn't in the crib anymore because she's climbing out and like she won't sleep in her bed and I'm going through a two-year sleep regression. I was like, I'm supposed to be playing video games. Go to fucking sleep. <laughs> Just tell her Faith Farm is a movie and then like put that on the screen. I mean, she actually enjoys Free. watching John play Disney Speedstorm and watches me play Disney Dreamlight Valley because it's just like all the Disney characters she knows. So we'll, those yeah. are the two yeah. games we'll play. And she also loves Yoshi's Crafted World because she's just like loves Yoshi. Oh, that's a good one. But I like Yoshi's Crafted World is a great game. I'm not trying to play Yoshi's Crafted World right now. There's no. other games, no. uh, but I cannot play, like, I could not play Immortals in front of her, too many scary mm, enemies. No. I can't play Starfield in front of her, too many pew-pews. I would say Fae Farm is 
not scary. There's there's some vines and like all the creatures are cute. Like there's <laughs> there's really nothing that would frighten a small child. But the oh. problem is a two year old only like pays attention to things for like a couple minutes at a time and mm. is then very much like, okay, I'm gonna go like <laughs> stick my fingers in the toilet bowl. Goodbye. And I'm like, what are you doing <laughs> over there? Don't touch that. We don't touch the potty. We don't play with the potty. You poo-poo in the potty. <laughs> <laughs> Only poo-poo and pee-pee go in the potty. We don't play in the potty. Somebody help me. <laughs> Parenthood, it's the best. It really is. But you just got to laugh. Yes. Because, like, you know, you just got to laugh. That's all you can Everybody do. Everybody understands. Everybody gets it. It's yep. fine. But this game looks incredible. I can't wait to play. Thank you so much to Phoenix Labs for yes. for sending codes. We're very we're very pumped about it. And like I love that I got into this game because of people like you two being like play Animal Crossing, and I was like I don't want Animal Crossing oh isn't anything. I don't imagine? play yeah. Animal Crossing, and here I'm like I'm a bigger <laughs> Animal Crossing nerd than either of you. I still have the clip from What's Good Games Live where you were talking about Animal Crossing and you're like, I think I might play it, but John doesn't think I'm going to like it. So I don't really know if I'm going to try it. Wait, you do have that clip? We oh, you have to like, we have yeah. to have that. Thing. I'll, I'll send it to you. Yeah, it's on my other computer. That's currently my Baldur's Gate machine, but I will. It's, it's funny. like such a weird story about how that all happened. It just, I mean, I 100% <laughs> attribute that to being like homebound through the pandemic and yeah. like being like having time and like mentally being in such a dark place as we all were and just needing that escape and like Animal Crossing was that thing for me and now I'm like oh my god I love fucking cozy games and there's so <laughs> many cozy games like like I'm so happy that Animal Crossing Welcome. like had its moment as a franchise that's been around for such a long time and it has sold well, obviously, but didn't never. I think in their wildest dreams, the, did Nintendo think that Animal Crossing would sell like what is it over forty million units now? Like it's I'd, literally I'd like have to look up what the, the actual numbers are. are. Walmart clothes now, like like they're just like transcendent. Yeah, really? like, yeah. yeah. It's like everyone oh. knows who that asshole Tom Nook is. Everyone knows. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I, to be honest, as someone who's only played New Horizons, I still don't understand why he's such a fucking like, like big bad. I'm like, wait, does he like have like deep history of being like a like a bad a bad landlord in the past? Apparently, yes. So anyway, Brittany, yeah. do you have more to say about Fae Farm? I kind of co opted your conversation, and I apologize for that. I'll just confirm it's great on Steam Deck. Oh, exciting! Very easy, easy to read the text. It's it's really smooth playtime. So I, I recommend. Also plays great on the Switch. Can't confirm. But no, this is like the coziest of cozy games. Have, have recommend it. Oh, okay, so go get cozy. if I was going to choose one handheld or the other, should I what? go for, if I have a Steam Deck, should I get the Steam copy? I think whichever is more comfortable in your hands, honestly. Yeah. Battery life. Whatever. I mean, if you want to justify getting the Steam Deck and you haven't played a lot on it. I mean, I own a Steam Deck. I know. So it's not like I have to justify getting it. I have it. But it's like... No, I mean, like, have you played a lot of games on it, though, is what I'm saying. It's mostly my... Uh, I've been playing Vampire Survivors, Disney Dreamlight Valley on the go. Because, of course, I bought it on Steam. So I can, you know, because the cross-save is great. Yeah, yeah, um, also, the frame rate on, on the Steam version is way better. And then Hades, which, like, oh, that game. Oh. oh. <gasps> Sexual oh awakening God. with Hades. What? I just remember, what? if it's not sold out by the time this comes out, the vinyl from I Am 8-Bit is going back on sale <gasps> this week. So it's it 24th. And if you're listening to this, of course, after the 24th, 
and it's still it's definitely there. sold out. If you're listening yeah. to the podcast, you you missed it. I'm sorry, <laughs> I set myself an alarm. <laughs> maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. Good for I you. I honestly don't know what the. I honestly don't know what the inventory is like. But yeah, I'm not sure. But yeah. go check it out. I'm we'll talk about that, that again once I've played more. But I've been playing it and like oh, so good. So good. Yeah, I need to talk about Vampire Survivors because I've been playing the co-op yes. and it's really good too. But we can oh. save that. We should have like a throw, throwback we're review episode where we just review games that yeah. came <laughs> I love this for us. Video games, y'all. There's so many good video games of all different kinds. Do you like shmups? Do you like cozies? Do you like magic shooters? Do you like zombie shooters? Do you like crazy min-max RPGs with D&D? Like there's a, something for everybody. Ugh, so good. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us here at What's Good Games. We appreciate you and love you, and thank you for supporting our show. We will be back next week. Yes, the embargo lifts for one Starfield on Thursday. Starfield. Starfield, the 31st. Are we going to be finished with the game? Absolutely not. No one will. Fuck no. (laughs) No. I, and don't trust anyone I who is. I honestly feel bad you. for people who work at outlets that do guides that have to try Ooh, to get through as uh, much of it as quickly as possible. Like, mm, like yeah. it's it's just not going to be a thing. But we're excited to talk yeah. about it. I love that they're showing more of it at Gamescom this week. What a year for video games. Like, the year could stop now and no more games could come out and we still couldn't finish everything that's been released this year. But there's more to come. <sighs> So hopefully you've hit that subscribe button, that follow button, that download button, anything to do to support the show and engage with us. We appreciate you and love you. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week, everybody. Bye.